people understood that what you leave behind, you're going to inherit. You know, this is your rental. Leave it in good condition because you're going to come back and pick up in the same world where you left off. And you're going to inherit what you left behind you for your children. You're going to be your children that are going to inherit it. And that if people understood this, they would be a little more careful about how they're treating Mother Earth and the future of their own children who will be them. And it's absolutely necessary that we keep having these experiences. And what they have told me in their history, in the story, uh, and this is very new to me through the circle and even new in the time that I've been with them because they didn't want to lay too much on me at once, was that once, at least in our group, our soul energy originated on Nibiru, which was a planet. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Fascinating conversation with Stephanie. We spoke for over two hours. I'm going to break it into two parts. So we're going to focus on reincarnation and Stephanie's story, which will be the bigger section on the first video. And then we're going to go into climate change. can't even say that word on certain platforms, but we're going to go into earth changes, the future, what's happening, what's happening in the future, according to the Circle of Love and Steve and Thomas Jefferson and people she's chatting to through the portal of the Circle of Love in the second one. And there's some interesting things she says about people in that one, which I don't know will be able to be uploaded on all platforms. So I'll have it on uh, different platforms, Rumble and BitChute and Odyssey and all those different platforms that I'm on exploring. I've heard a lot of different people ask you about, you know, what does Steve say about Apple and yada, yada, yada. And you said that he's not really interested in like the business or the finance or what's happening with Apple, even the development of technology. But what he's interested in is what's happening to the earth, like how we're evolving. And we were going to get into it more, but we've been yakking for ages already. It's been so fascinating, Stephanie. Honestly, I've been riveted, just fascinated. What is he saying about coming earth changes and what we have to do to alleviate that uh, timeline? Well, not only him, but everybody yeah. in the circle that comes through is saying it. Yeah. That we're in for a really rough ride. And the problem lies in humanity is still dealing with this idea of good and evil. And of course, you know, evil, it just lives spell backwards. It's just a backwards view. That's the confusion. And because of it, because of this fighting and they won't pick up their feet and look at it from a different point of view, everybody's got their own point of view. Um, it's continual war. And you can look at past atrocities, genocide through history. Humans have probably killed more humans than uh, natural catastrophes have, you know? 
Um, but we don't seem to be getting it. We don't seem to be moving forward. To me, moving forward is like saying, how do we live in peace and harmony? And one of the problems, one of the things that my group, who had this experience, uh, say is that they learned on Nibiru and on Mars that through not paying attention to what was going on, on Nibiru is overpopulation, destroying the planet, uh, so it couldn't produce enough food to feed the people anymore, chemicals, etc. Just they would just end up poisoning the population. Uh, on Mars, it was inadvertent. There was just they learned from Nibiru, so they kept their population very small, and it was not a uh, hospitable environment anyway. It was just something they took because it was there. Ended up blowing out their atmosphere and everybody died. And so they're very clear because of their soul history that we have the capacity to destroy our habitation. And if we understood this, we might be a little bit more careful that overpopulation is a big problem because the earth could probably sustain its energy with the amount of pollution that happens from, you know, a population that was a billion or something. Um, but it can't with as many people as are throwing their garbage into the ocean, you know, or driving their cars around. Um, and so what's going to happen, well, a lot of things are going to happen, basically. And they talk to me about it all the time, where to live, what to do, how to prepare. Uh, and I pass that on to a very small group of friends who listen. Um, and I research what they tell me, and it always comes out. You know, I'm very careful about what I say. Um, but that's going to be very, very hard. That Now, this is the prediction. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. In 250 years, the Earth population will be reduced by 99%. Um uh, through disaster, through uh, starvation, through uh, just lack of reproducing uh, big populations like we have. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad because people will go to heaven. When you're there, you're happy and you get a rest and you get an opportunity. So what they've told me is it's the opportunity for humanity to evolve. It's like a bottleneck because there's too many people in the world today that are still depending upon this idea of good and evil. I'm good, you're bad. You know, I need, because we live in a world that what you give, you will receive. It's just the way it is. What you put out there, you're gonna get back. It's just the way it is. And so when they put out condemnation of others, hatred, anger that's what they're going to get back and it keeps yeah that's the karmic wheel it keeps going round and round and round and it's destroying the planet um and so what's left the people that are left are going to be the ones that are listening the ones who are listening to what needs to happen which is you have to grow you have to learn to work together you have to learn to work in harmony you have to give up some of those goodies and be willing to get out there and garden you have to live with Mother Earth. You have to trust on Mother Earth that you are a part of it, and it's a part of you. You have to trust on God energy flowing through everything. You have to learn to come together as a group. 
and that those people who survive the challenge is, and they tell me this is, is what it's about, will learn that and they will teach their children. And so when those people who've gone to heaven uh, come back, they will be born into families that teach them that uh, we're not talking about good and evil here. We're talking about just living in the present every day in harmony with your world. And uh, and that's the change that they foresee. So they've spoken about earth changes, like getting rid of a lot of the population, which a lot of people have spoken about. Dolores Cannon's clients were speaking about that. It's in her books. Did they say, um, well, when I ask this question, it's a stupid question, really, because if you just turn on the news, you can see it happening everywhere already with hurricanes and earthquakes and natural disasters. Um, although Vivek says that there's less natural disasters happening now than there was um, a while ago. He's one of the candidates for the president, the presidency. But, yeah, did, did he say when it's going to get more dramatic with the reducing the population? I'm Earth told changes. the train has gone off the tracks. Pardon? Just expect it. The train has gone off the tracks. That's what I'm told. It's, you know, there's no point in trying to get other people to stop digging for oil or, you know, driving their cars around because it's too late. The train has gone off the tracks. And this is the time where those people who want to do the hard work to usher humanity through this time come together and start opening up to reality. And reality is understanding that you're here. You're here in this world, but you are spirit as well as a soul experiencing life here and you need the earth. You don't want to have to go somewhere else and reincarnate in some turtle or something. You know, it's it's not a good idea. And so those people who can hear the message, which in my view is about 1% of the population, because they're putting out they're putting out what they want back. If you put out love, love will come back to you. I mean, this is multi-layered. If you put out being here not for yourself, but being here as part of a loving group, then what you'll get back is being part of a loving group. And mm -hmm. so that 1%, whoever you're out there who hears this, you're probably one of the 1%. If you can always remember that what you give, you shall receive, then uh, it'll be okay. Will it have to be that way? I don't know. You know, if everybody suddenly gets a different point of view, you know, could we, could the, because God energy flows through everything, through the earth, through the trees, through the bees, it's constantly interacting. It It's the way it works. Could things change if everybody started living in a loving embrace with each other? Possibly. But I trust that the ones who do hear this message and who do realize it's too late, you can't make anybody else do anything. You can't make anybody else do anything. It always begins with me and ends with me. And so you can be in a group and be an individual, but you can work together. You can share. And when everybody does that, those people who hear it, who are willing to step up the plate and say, Okay, I didn't create this mess necessarily. 
maybe some parts of it. I did my share, but I'm going to help clean it up. Well, as you know, I sent you some a lot of videos about people who are doing just that. You know, there are many, many people doing amazing things in the world, like cleaning up the mess. I think that the pollution, the mess, there's a Netflix documentary called Broken. There's another one by the same group. I think it's the same group called Rotten. I think Rotten is a six-part series and Broken is a four-part series about what's broken in our world. And the thing that gets me all the time is the plastic pollution. I mean, the plastic pollution. When you see how we're just filling up the world with plastic pollution and this plastic doesn't biodegrade for hundreds, sometimes thousands of years, I just think to myself, what smart-ass thought it was a great idea to create a product that you're going to make pretty much 80% of everything out of, cover your food in, that doesn't biodegrade. I mean, where is it going to go? And you just keep making it and keep making it and keep making it. And um, what dawned on me watching this this documentary uh, with this plastic pollution, the recycling, what do they call it, the recycling scam, that recycling's not doing anything, is that it's made out of oil, petrochemicals. So like all these electric cars, you know, are supposed to stop the oil trade, but the oil trade's more about the plastic than it is about the petrol in the car. It's, yeah, it's crazy. But there are, and they showed this massive, 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 massive petrochemical plant in Texas, like just, it's like the size of a city that makes this stuff. Um, And when they were filming it, the security guard came and asked them to go away and not film it, which I thought was interesting. Like imagine that massive plant turning into a factory that made plastic out of, you know, husks, psyllium husks. And and because there's so much stuff that you can make plastic out of that's biodegradable, that's plant-based. And lots of people are doing it. They're just not doing it on a massive scale. You know, they're still making plastic out of petrochemical. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. I was I heard, read an article I don't know the other day about the microplastic in the food in the garden. I know. That, yeah. You know, it's, it's everywhere. Everywhere. It's in everywhere. The ocean in the fish and yep. everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I when I have questions, like I say, I go to to Thomas. And uh, what does he say about it? I think it was Steve. Huh? What does he say about the microplastic, Thomas? Well, I didn't, I didn't ask him about that, but I asked him about lots of questions. But the one that was, it really, I, I didn't want to think about it. I mean, I've been aware of the problems with overpopulation and pollution since I was in college, of course. Yeah. A lot of us had. But what do you do about it? You know, you got to get through your life and do the best you can and recycle your stuff and, you know, just don't drive a lot, whatever. So I just didn't want to think about because what can I do? You know, like a lot of people probably. And then one day, I think it was probably at the end of May or June, and Steve or Thomas says to me, you know, Steph, the train's gone off the tracks. It's over. Things are, uh, this is the summer, everything changes. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, it's the summer that, uh, you know, human-caused earth changes. And it's not just about the climate. It's about changing the structure under the earth as well through removing uh, minerals from it. It actually, everything in the earth has a balance. The energy has to balance and it's created that balance over millions and millions of years. Mm. So when you start fiddling with that balance on a big scale, 
the energy is going to shift. It's like the butterfly's wings eventually cause the typhoon, you know? Everything is going to shift because everything is connected. So anyway, he was talking to me because the Antarctic ice is unseasonably low at this time of the year. So when they told me that, I said, oh. So I went and researched, and all of a sudden I was like, all the scientists are saying, you know, the trains at the same moment, all the scientists were coming out and saying, look at the Antarctic ice, everything's going. So he talked to me about his theory of what's going on and why the Antarctic ice is not uh, freezing. It's so when you say, when you say he... Who are you talking about now? He as in Steve or Thomas, he as in Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. So when you say he's talking he said, to me about as he, you said this ahead. summer, are you talking about the summer that you're going into now or are you talking about when you were talking to him? I'm talking about this summer coming about early June okay, is so when they told me that. Because your summer is our winter. 2023. 2023. Okay, go on. Go on. Mm -hmm. This is the summer. So I started looking it up and all the, all the, scientists are going oh my god we've turned into doomers there's no hope and i'm like wow you guys really called it you know i even paying attention and all of a sudden everybody's talking about it and uh, so thomas talks to me about things like bicarbonate in the ocean and and uh acidification of the ocean and stuff and i'm like he's like he has his own theory of what's happening in in antarctica and so i went and researched all the words because i didn't know what they meant and sure enough, it all makes sense. You know, it's not the same theory a lot of other people have, but it's a viable theory of what's going on there. And according to them, this is going to affect, in fact, that's why they wanted me to move out of Alaska, because they wanted me away from the Ring of Fire, the Pacific Ring of Fire. You know, I'm not going to tell people where they should move to, because they got to use their own intuition and, and stuff. But according to them, and I hate being a prophet. <laughs> I just hate being a doomsday prophet. But according to them, we could expect volcanoes and earthquakes, pandemic, um, because, uh, well, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Because I listened to you one time, and you're talking about how belief defines our reality, right? And it was your story about when you gave birth and the epidermal dural, how you felt pain. You felt relief even before you got it. You thought you'd got it. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh my God, mind over matter. Yeah. But it's true. I've always known that that medications were um, placebos, all of them. But it doesn't matter. If you believe in it, you have to believe in something. You have to believe in something. You have to have a story. Right. So have a good story, not a sad, scary story. Have a good story. So, yes, you know, if I go take an aspirin, it makes me feel better. And I very, very seldom take anything at all. But if I do, it makes me feel better because I believe it. Great. <laughs> no, it worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what we we're constantly the way I understand it works is you have a thought your thought goes out into the mass consciousness, like in the ocean, your stream goes into the ocean. It interacts with all this stuff. It's going to come back to you because you have both an individual story and a group story. So your individual reality is going to come back to you. You've probably noticed that. I had this thought, you know, 40 years ago. And look, it's here. You know, it comes back to you. Whatever you think, you're always going to get. Whatever you ask for is what you think or what you fear or what you desire. It's always going to come back to you in some way. When you see it outside of you, you've processed it inside of you. And then you see something outside of you, you have a reaction to it. 
you have a thought about it, that thought then contributes to your reality. So it's a constant exchange, a never-ending exchange of what you think and believe based on what you see, what you react, what you put into the world. And, you know, there's that old thing, thought, word, deed. When you are a conscious creator, you're thought, word, and deed. However, I'm not what you would call a, um, you know, caught up in the idea of the conscious creation kind of thing. What do they call that? Uh, you know what I mean? Law of attraction. I'm not caught up in that because I'm not smart enough to figure out what I need. I'm not smart enough to figure out what the world needs. So I'm just like, I'll just take it. I'll just trust God to do it. And I'll just do what I do and say what I say and trust that God knows because I'll just follow my inspiration in my heart. And I will trust that God knows what I need to do and what I need to say. And if somebody gets pissed off by what I need to say, then they probably needed to get pissed off. It's not <laughs> my not my concern. All I got to do is follow my heart. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not a, I'm not the kind of person that's trying to shape my reality in that way. My thing is give love, you'll get love back. And to me, love is hearing and being heard. Talk is it's hearing and being heard, seeing and being seen. I've had that idea since I was maybe well, since I had that experience when I was 28. And it has proven to be uh validated over and over again. Because when someone sees you, you feel love, don't you? Mm. Yeah. When someone really hears you, you feel love, you feel that connection, you feel connected. Yeah. And so if you just listen to each other and see each other without all glossing it over with good ideas of good and evil, it's just, oh, okay. Then you're giving that into the world. You're giving love into the world. And that's, and then just wait. Or hold your hands out. Yeah, Michael. Goodies. Michael Tamora would call it. Uh, you look at somebody and you see, rather than seeing their personality and their beliefs and their ideas, you see their soul. Like if you look into people's souls, seeing the soul who's elected to have this experience—good, bad, or ugly, whatever—just like you were talking about when you were a lawyer, seeing everyone as inherently good doesn't matter about their behavior, even the you know, madman that's killing millions of Jews in Auschwitz. <laughs> but just seeing a soul, having an earth experience. Yeah, right. But that's really the crux of deliberate creation anyway. It's not to try and control what happens in your day. There are so many teachers out there that talk about this, you know, like wake up in the morning and say, this and this and this and this is going to happen. Like that's just being a control freak. <laughs> That's just being like, that's a world of pain if you're trying to control what happens. The only thing that we can control, you can't control the weather. Well, actually you can, but anyway, but you know, you can't control people dying or not dying or disasters happening, but you can control how you feel. So if you, you know, if you get upset, you can change that by returning to love, like seeing the bigger picture, like we were talking about seeing the soul plan and how it's all dovetailing together. That's why I found this conversation with you, Stephanie, so um, fascinating to sort of see that bigger picture when you hear about people's past lives and how it all dovetails. And, yeah, it's so fascinating. Mm. But that perspective, that higher perspective, it brings you back to love, love and connection and understanding. Okay, so the message from the circle of love, which includes Thomas and Steve, and I think there's Tobias is another one that you've identified. Is it Tobias? Tobias, 
Tobias, yeah. a whole slew of identities, is uh, what is their overall message to us? Feel love and feel connected. But as far as, excuse me, as far as earth changes and what's coming, you know, the, the train is off its tracks, like what's coming. Yes. Yeah. This summer is the summer that everything changes. Everything changes that, is what they say. As some people say, you know, I follow the, the doomers <laughs> a little bit. I call myself a doomer and a bloomer. As they say, you know, this may be the best summer you will have for the rest of your life. Okay. Well, what I've noticed around the world, your summer, is the fires. Like Canada is on fire. Like you've had horrendous, because a couple of summers ago, our summer, your winter, at the end of the yeah. year, beginning of 2020, end of 2019, you know, Australia went through those horrendous fires. My daughter's little house, she was living in the country, burnt down. And then I've noticed that happening, obviously, in Maui and then Canada. So there's, yeah, these massive fires. You know, the, the news are saying biggest fire we've ever seen in recorded history. And sort of that's what they said about this. You know, people say, what I hear people say over and over again, I mean, there's all these people that want to deny that humans, have, that first of all, that climate is changing drastically. You know, it's been this way. Well, it used to be this hot three million years ago. Well, yeah, but you didn't live three million years ago, you know. But they say the strangest things. But they deny uh, that the climate is changing. And, the, and if you if forced to accept that there are some changes, they would say it's not human caused. I don't care. I don't care if you, at this point if humans caused it or not. You know, who's pointing fingers? It's time to take it from here where we are and not worry about the past. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, interesting. It might not be nature caused, but you can't start a fire like that without the wind and the dryness being in the conditions where a fire can spread like that. Like right. if there was lasers, you know, coming down from some bot in the sky creating these fires, Mother Nature was behind it because she was blowing the wind and the earth was also parched completely. I noticed the the photographs of Maui. It was completely yellow, like everything was really dry where things could catch on fire. It was the same in Australia. It was really dry for the fires to spread like that. So maybe there were lasers creating the fire. Who, who knows? But, you know, it seems to be a combination of human and nature working together to create these disasters. Yeah, I guess it's like like you say, the train is off the tracks. Something's got to give. Well, it's inter, you know, factors are interrelated. And right. not only are they interrelated on a physical level, they're interrelated on a spiritual level. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's so inter it's so interrelated. It's like Thomas talking to me about what's causing the ice. You know, there's about 20 different converging factors right. that are involved, but I find it amusing when people say it's arson, not climate change. Well, of course, arson is not climate change. But if you drop, as I say, if you drop a lit match on a sidewalk, it's not going to be the same thing as if you drop it in a pool of gasoline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess my point is that at this point, you know, I, I just foresee there's going to be so much upheaval that people are just going to be so busy trying to figure out how to survive that they're not going to be able to take that cruise or jet off to such and such a place or, you know, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to feed their kids. Yeah. It's been a 
discussion that I've had a lot on the show and people have said it's going to happen now, this year it's going to happen. And it sort of happens in a part of the world, but like it's not happening on mass. I mean, the thing that happened on mass to the entire world was COVID and the lockdowns and the vaccine rollout. I mean, that was something that was unique in that the whole world was affected. That was unique. That was absolutely unique. But the climate change things is happening in parts of the world, but it's not happening to the whole entire world. Yeah, I get anyway. I guess we have right. to wait. It's, it, it is it is sketchy, but that's part of coming to realize that we're all connected. We need all those parts of the world. Mm. We need those animals. We need those bees. We need those flowers. You know, we need the rainfall. We need and the the way that I mean, I'm in a pl- place where the summer's been actually <laughs> cooler than normal. Really, it's a little donut, you know, a little streak in the middle, <laughs> where it's actually been nicer than the rest of the world. But all those factors are going to start to come together. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I mean, I don't know if anything's true. All I know is what I hear and what I say. And so far, things have lined up. And if they don't, they have a good explanation why they didn't line up. But that there could be another pandemic. And let me explain this from a spiritual point of view. When I ask them, and this is, again, everybody has their own point of view of the tree. This is my point of view with my friends. And and I always research and try to figure out how everything fits together logically, because I have to have that. I have to see how things connect. I have to know that the pieces are fitting in the right place in the big puzzle. It's just my nature. And they told me that COVID was the response, the creative response to those people who wanted to die. Old people who were being kept alive, useless, feeling useless. My mother was in a care facility and it would make me so sad to go up there and see those people just sitting there next to next, next to each other all day long, never even communicating with each other. And if I sat down to, you know, a table full of them, eight people around the table, and I talked to them, they would talk to me. But they wouldn't talk to each other. They had given up. Anyway, they told me that in this world, we have put such an emphasis on prolonging your physical form because we don't trust on the soul energy that people are being kept alive beyond their productivity, and they don't feel good about it. And so uh, there was such a need for these people to be released. And they have their whole family saying, you can't die, you can't die. And there's such a need for these people to be released that they put that into the mass consciousness and it resulted in COVID. So that was my understanding of the spiritual basis. Okay, so nothing we can do about it. The train's off the tracks. We just have to love each other. And um, I don't know, what's the message for what's happening? Well, the message is always the same. Love yourself, no matter what you think. Love all your thoughts, because it's you. You never, if you stop and think about it, Karen, I'm sure that you know that you never, ever did anything to hurt anybody. That was never your intention, right? People do things because they want to be happy. That's why people do things. But they're just confused about how to be happy because they don't understand that you might feel happy for 10 minutes if you can get back at somebody, get revenge at them, right? But you won't have long-lasting happiness. It will come back to you. 
And so I guess the message to people is nothing's written in stone. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know how this will work out. Every day to me, I learn something new. I see something new. So all I would say to people is don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. Because if you worry about it, all you do is, uh, if you worry about something, you're not there present to deal with the moment. Does that make sense to you? Be present. Don't worry about it. Because the bottom line is you're an eternal being. You can't fall through the cracks. And the best way to look at it that I can think of at the moment is that this is a video game that we keep playing repetitively. We get a break and then we come back in and then we get a break and we come back in. And we're trying to change the game so that we're happier because there's so many unhappy people. I was unhappy. I'm very happy now, but I was unhappy for a long time. I was so unhappy that I didn't want to come back here. This should be a place that we want to come back to. It's the garden, and I'll tell you what they, the Garden of Eden. They always come up with these words that are so cool. Explain to me, I said, how did you get the name the Garden of Eden? They said, it's the Garden of Eating, E-A-T-I-N-G. Imagine that you've been traveling through space looking for a home. And you see this beautiful planet with fruit growing off the trees. It is the garden of eating because everybody needs to eat in order to survive. And you will appreciate it when you don't have any food. You will think, my God, this earth has been feeding us for all this time. So let's go back to the garden of eating. Let's get out and garden. Come back to a simpler form of life. Don't worry about what's gone before. Just pick up here now and uh, understand that there's so much. I was born in, in a wilderness village, so I have background on this. There's so much to be gained. You know, that's why people go off grid. There's so much to be gained in a small community of people that live close to nature, maybe even on the edge of survival they appreciate everything they have. They appreciate every bite full. And what we appreciate comes back to us. And we say, wow, this is good. Good food. We put that out there. What comes back to us? Good food. Beautiful. What a beautiful message to end with. Stephanie, it's been a joy and fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing with us on the show. It was wonderful to talk to you, Karen. Karen. Remember to say Karen and not Karen. Good afternoon. Everyone's probably been sitting here for a long time, huh? A few things. Everyone here I was told is real bright. Is that true? <laughs> Plus, I want to meet Eric later on. Which one's Eric? Oh, hi, Eric. How you doing? A lot of stuff here is rags to riches. I was listening back there. Sort of want to be careful about that because... Um, there's a lot of people that have been real successful in other terms that aren't here because maybe they didn't make a lot of money that you want to listen to very carefully. And one of the things that, that tends to run through some of the things that people here have talked about is uh, innovation and creativity. And if you're really bright, have you ever thought about what it is to be intelligent? Probably some of you have, 
right? Because you meet your friend and he's pretty dumb and maybe you think you're smarter and you wonder what the difference is. <laughs> and and I, I've thought about this a little bit myself. And, and one of the things is, it seems to me a lot of it's the, a lot of it's memory, but a lot of it's the ability to sort of zoom out like you're in a city and you could look at the whole thing from about the 80th floor down at the city. And while other people are trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B reading these stupid little maps, you can just see it all out in front of you. You can see the whole thing. And you can make connections that just seem obvious because you can see the whole thing. That's why bright people feel guilty a lot because they come up with stuff that they just say, hey, look at this. And other people give them these dumb awards and they feel funny. <laughs> um, But the key thing is that if you're going to make connections which are innovative, you, 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 to connect two experiences together, that you have to not have the same bag of experiences as everyone else does, or else you're going to make the same connections, and then you won't be innovative, and then nobody will give you an award. So what you've got to do <laughs> is get different experiences um, than, than the normal course of events. And one of the, the, the funny things about being bright is everyone puts you on this path. You know, to go to high school, go to college. I've heard about some kid that's 14 on his way to Stanford. And that's great. That's sort of out of the ordinary. Um, but you might want to think about going to Paris and being a poet for a few years, you know. Or you might want to go to a third world country. I'd highly advise that. And see people and lepers with their hands falling off and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's very much so worth doing. Um, you know, fall in love with two people at once. <laughs> You know, you, Walt Disney took LSD. Do you know that? He did once. And that's where the idea for Fantasia came from. It's true. And you can go hear stories about all these people. And the key thing that comes through is that they had a variety of experiences which they could draw upon in order to try to solve a problem or attack a particular dilemma in a, in a kind of unique way. And so one of the things that you'll get a lot of pressure to do uh, is to go in one very clear direction and believe in God and all that other stuff. And that's great, but don't uh, ever walk by a Zen Buddhist because of that. Sit down and talk and buy him lunch. And <laughs> one of the, the things that, that I had... Um, um, in my mind growing up, I don't know how it got there, was, but that the world was sort of something that happened just outside your peepers. And you didn't, you didn't really try to change it, you just sort of tried to find your place in it and, and have the best life you could. And it would all just go on out there and there were some pretty bright people running it. And as you start to interact with some of these people, you find they're not a lot different than you. Um, the people actually making these decisions every day that are sort of running the world are, you, you know, are not really very much different than you. And they might have a little more... Uh, judgment in some areas, but basically they're the same. And once you realize that, you start to feel you have a responsibility to do something about it, because the world's in, in pretty bad shape right now. And uh, I guess one of the things that motivates a lot of people that I've seen that, that actually get out and do something in, in any different field is that we all sort of uh, you know, eat food that other people cook and wear clothing that other people make and speak a language that other people evolved and use someone else's mathematics. And, and we're sort of taking from this giant pool constantly. And the, the most ecstatic thing in the whole world is actually put something back into that pool. 
and I think people from all the fields that maybe you've heard from here and, and a whole bunch that you haven't would express the same sort of feeling. It's the most ecstatic thing that I've encountered. So I would highly recommend it. Um, and one of the major areas, I know probably with all this stuff, I might not be invited back here next year, so I'll say it now. The, <laughs> when you pass a, a certain age, I don't know what it is, 25, 30 years old, uh, you sort of as a human being inherit the responsibility of being a guardian of the earth for future generations of which you are all a member uh, to inherit. And I'm not exactly sure what that means, but just obviously that's the case. And I think our particular, uh, our particular, this particular generation of people that is your guardian is doing an extremely poor job in one area, and one area where all of the help that you all can muster is really necessary. And that is that the chances that this planet's going to remain in one piece through your natural lifetimes is not extremely high right now. And it's fairly dismal. And uh, I anticipate having some kids one day and helping them grow up to be sane human beings. And you people are going to be the people that are running the planet when my kids grow up. So would you please pay attention to this problem and try to do something about it? Because I'd like to see my kids grow up and be able to come here and sit like you and listen to a bunch of funny people. Thank you. Wow. Incredible conversation with Stephanie Patel. Amazing. Just loved that. I hope you loved that. Let me know what you think. Uh, yeah, let me know what you think. We had a lot more to say after we turned off the recording. Um, yeah, she was giving me a reading by Stephen. He had lots of amazing things to say. So we're going to get together again and do and and um, I'll, I'll get a group together and you can ask him questions and we'll get Stephanie to bring through Steve. He actually came through to me at the beginning of it and I felt his energy really strongly and he backed off. And uh, during the reading that she, she had, she did with me through Steve, she said, have you got anything to ask Steve? And I said, not really. She said, but he's got something to say to you. I said, oh, okay. He said that he was laughing because when he came into my energy, he said, I was laughing because she knew who it was. And, um, and he thought that was funny that I knew who it was. I'm like, of course I know who it was. And I thought, now I know why I'm wearing all black and like the t-shirt material. He, you know, I used to love wearing that whole black look uh, with the t-shirts. And um, yeah, and, and he had a lot of other things to say. It was really interesting. But if you'd like to join us in the Inner Sanctum and have a chat with him, please sign up on currentswain.com slash Inner Sanctum. I'll bring Steph and Steve and the mob, her mob, mob circle of love in to have a chat with us and continue the conversation thanks again for listening and watching and i'll catch you next time big love to you all bye for now